Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for life and health and strength. We thank you for allowing us to have something to eat today. We thank you for having a roof over our head. We thank you for allowing us to have a mind and heart and spirit to want to grow, to know you more, to walk in your purpose. We thank you for the love that you have shown us, the grace that you've given us and the mercy, even though we don't deserve it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit being able to help us not only understand, but walk out all that you've commanded. We know that every day that we get up is another opportunity for us to live as you have uh, pointed out for us. We know that everything the enemy tries to do is already defeated. We pray that as this word goes forth today, the Holy Spirit will lead the words and open the ears and hearts of those who are listening. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Revelations 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having a great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of, of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and, the God, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup in which she hath measured her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am a widow and I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth committed fornication and lived in luxury with her, will weep and lament for her. When they see the smoke of her burning, standing in the distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city of Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her. No one buys their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron, wood, every kind of object, ivory, every kind of object of precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oils, frankincense, oil, wine, fine flour, and wheat, and cattle, and sh sheep, horses, chariots, bodies, and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich in splendor have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, which became rich for her, will stand in a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and welling and saying, Alas, alas. The great city, that which clothed with fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour, such great riches have come to nothing. Every shipmaster, 
and all who travel by ship sails, and also as many trade on the sea stood in the distance and cried out, and they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw down their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who have had ships on the sea became rich from her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heavens, and you holy prophets and apostles, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took a stone that was like a great millstone and threw it in the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be overthrown and shall not be fine anymore. The sounds of the harpists, the musicians, the flutists, the trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sounds of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all nations were deceived. And in her was the blood of the prophets, the saints, and all who were slain on the earth. When you read this chapter here, chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, Revelation made known to John by the angel of Christ, Yeshua, also known as Jesus. It gives a very, very vivid and detailing description of a city called Babylon that is destroyed utterly. Any and everything that was once known to be of worth or value or of any good in one hour, he says three times, will fall and be completely destroyed. And he says that when this happens, the heavens will rejoice, the prophets and the apostles for the for the the great city Babylon is destroyed. For many Christians in America, and especially on the West, have a hard time accepting the fact that we live in the city of Babylon. We live in the city of confusion. Back in chapter, or back in verse two, it says that uh, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a, a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. That is, is America. We are the country that started the homosexuality uh, legalism or to legalize it. We started the gender uh, mutilation of the body parts to change the gender. We've come up with the pronouns. We have introduced so many different drugs. We've used what's called sorcery in the last uh, second to the last verse he talks about all nations were deceived by your sorcery. We have the most wealthiest people in this on this earth. Our nation at one point was the greatest nation on the earth. Every wicked thing you can think about has not only had its foundation in this age and have grew massively, but the the mentality of the wickedness here. And this prophecy tells us that America will will completely be destroyed. And as you heard, there's a lot of things that's going to happen. But here's the thing. Typically, when you read something like this, it draws people back. They don't want to hear it because well, what about my great grandkids growing up? What about my 
house, my investments, my future goals. Hey, I'm planning on getting married one day. All these things that we have in our minds and our hearts, things we are seeking to do. And we hear stuff like this and it makes us want to decide, do we really want to believe it? Do we want to follow it? Is it true? Do we even want to hear it anymore? But everything that God tells us and you look at from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, every before every, any wrath comes forth, any judgment or anything happens by God, he always gives his people a way out. The Bible says that we will not be tempted above measure, but he will create a way for us to escape. In verse four, he says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. Now, there are seven bowls in Revelation 16 that has tremendous torment that God is going to release on the land. And he is telling the people before these devastating events occur, we have a chance to be rescued. We have a chance to receive divine protection. However, that is always up to the person. We can all say we love God. We can say we we uh, we want to spend eternity with him. But do we actually walk according to what we say, according to what we believe? As I said before, America is Babylon. And there is so many other scriptures that can clearly identify prophecies that was given by Isaiah, Daniel, that talked about this nation, this place of every, I mean, you think about it. There's not a wicked thing that doesn't happen in this country um, that doesn't come out of this country and happens in other countries. I mean, we can talk about it all day. And there is many people, many kings, many nations that have become very wealthy and are still becoming very wealthy as we speak. Millions and billions of dollars are currently going to Ukraine, uh, you know, and I mean, the president or, or whoever oversees Ukraine, his parents just bought a multi-million dollar home in Israel, something they would have not done or been able to do if it wasn't for America. Yet I know everybody's talking about how we need to support Ukraine because it's affecting the inflation and all this other kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Ukraine is 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 a wicked land on behalf of America. They had, before everybody knew about Ukraine, they had neo-Nazis in Ukraine and white supremacists. Some of these organizations that came out of America, originated in America. But for a lot of us, as I said before, we don't realize the truth about America. And because we don't realize the truth that America is Babylon, many of us living in, living in Babylon are walking in Babylonian ways. We live in Babylonian ways. We have Babylonian things and practices in our house and don't even recognize it. And this is why a lot of us stay defeated with sicknesses, with depression, anxiety, suicide thoughts, lack, you name it, because we're walking outside of the will of God. And because people have brought this false idea of grace into the church, we have this wrong idea that we can live 
in these ways, we can do these things, we can practice these routines and God is pleased. He's okay because he understands that, you know, we all have desires and things we want to do. We need an outlet, a little bit of entertainment, not going to bother anybody. But the truth is, God takes our obedience extremely seriously. There, this misunderstanding of grace is unbiblical on all levels. The reason we receive grace, which came by way of Jesus Christ on the cross, is so that when we fall, we're not held to the law. So we're not subjected to, you know, if we do a, a, a we commit a crime that is punishable by death, as it was under the law, we have the grace to get back up and do the right thing next time. That was the purpose, to take us outside of fulfilling all um, 613 Levitical priesthood laws. But as I've mentioned many times before, the Ten Commandments, which are not the law, they're God's original mandates for humanity, have been placed under the law and say, you know what? Grace covers us so we can not walk in his commandments. And just something as simple as that is missed by us because, we, again, we are in Babylon. We attend Babylon church services. What commandment out of the 10 you think if you break, God is okay with? Killing somebody, coveting your neighbor, committing adultery, not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your soul. So when you think about it, it really doesn't make any sense. But a lot of times we don't think about it because that's not how we were brought up. We were brought up in Babylon. We were brought up in a nation that had a deceptive teaching of the Bible, Christianity, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to see how serious God takes his obedience and why and what happens to us when we choose to be disobedient, even under grace, under the new covenant, Jesus Christ. In verse 1, it says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accused things for Achan, the son of Camry, and the son of Zebedee, and the son of uh, Zariah, and the tribe of Judah took the accursed things. So the, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua met, uh, sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Evan, and on the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, don't let all the people go up, but let about two to 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there for the people, and but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, and they chased them before from before the gates as far as Sebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, their hearts of the people were melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan to all to deliver us to the hands of the Amorites and destroy us. Oh, that you have been content and dwell on 
on the other side of the Jordan. Our Lord, what shall I say when the Israel when Israel turns its back before the enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then we then what will we do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded thee. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put them among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel cannot stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, say, sanctify yourselves tomorrow, because thus says the Lord your God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed things among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to the tribe. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the family. And the family which the Lord uh, shall come before the household. And the household before the Lord shall come man by man. And then it shall be that he who has taken the accursed things and have shall be burned and he sh and all he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So what happens is Joshua does exactly what the Lord says. He goes and he gets the people. He brings them forth and he finds out that Achan has taken things and placed them into his tent. And Achan asks himself, what are these, what is this that you've done? What have you done to us by taking the Babylonian garments and uh, 50 shekels of silver and wedged of good weight, 50 shekels? And he said, he's placing them in his tent. He said, you have basically caused the people to become ineffective. God no longer was there for them. And any enemy that come their way, they will be utterly defeated. So what he does is he take those things, his entire family, and he brings them out and he destroy those things, plus Achan and his family, his sons, his daughters, oxen, his donkey, his sheep, the tent, all of it, every bit of it that touched or had anything to do, they were all destroyed. This is the reason why many of us live in generational curses. We are disobedient to God. We, we, we live with Babylonian ways and things in our life. And we wonder why when we pray, we fast, we do all these different things, we still can't defeat the enemy because God is not for us. He can't be for us when we're walking inconsistent or contrary to his word. I was speaking to somebody the other day about just, you know, a newfound brother in Christ. And we were talking about how you can't even spend a, a penny in his country without supporting something evil. And that's true. There is no way to buy yourself something to eat, clothes or pay your rent or anything you have to do without supporting some form of evil. In fact, paying your taxes, you're supporting an evil government. However, there is a difference between going to a store to buy yourself some food that supports, say, you know, the LGTB community versus showing up at an LGTB community rally. Or knowing someone who is in your presence at your church institution or in your ministry group that lives that lifestyle 
yet we say nothing to him other than to each his own, or I'll pray for you. When it came to Achan violating the covenant that God had with Israel, there wasn't any praying. There wasn't any fasting or any uh, laying on the hands or counseling session. It was simply destroy those things that offended God. Then he would go back to being for his people. If we want to not suffer the inevitable wrath that is coming on this land and obviously the entire earth, then we need to come out of Babylon. We can't be half-stepping one foot in, one foot out. We cannot straddle the fence. This is something I see a lot of Christians do and they get upset when I tell them this, but I didn't write the Bible. I just believe it. I believe that if we end up at these football games, these basketball games, uh, supporting this kind of stuff, we are living in Babylon. Many people don't even realize all these sporting events, these arena events came out of Rome. Rome was a pagan land. It wasn't Christianity. It wasn't uh, the followers of the way or uh, a discipleship thing. It was completely supporting uh, evil pagan ways and rituals. In fact, the Roman games, the, the games back in the day, they were for life and death. It wasn't what you see today where somebody might get injured in worst case scenario, they die, which is very few. Now they've cleaned it up. So it's more appealing to the eye, but it's still a knockoff version, a, a, a repeat of what they did in Rome. All the movies we watch, the things we do on our phone, the stuff we have in our homes. These are accursed things of Babylon. Jesus Christ said, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. He didn't say if we love him. We don't have to necessarily keep it because of grace or, you know, everybody falls short of the glory of God or God knows our heart and all these different things we tell ourselves to appease living in sin, living, a con living just totally against his word. When, when Jesus Christ comes back, he is coming like a thief in the night. He is coming instantaneously and we won't have time to go throw things away and change our mind and you know, flip something upside down and say, okay, hold on, let me get on my knee and repent. No, it won't be like that. He is watching our heart every single day, every moment of the day. And where our heart is when he comes back, we'll determine if we are raptured up or we are left here to decide if we want to surrender to the Antichrist and receive his mark. It's a it's a it's a tough teaching. It don't really get too many amens. People don't shout. And it's understandable because we've been tied to things for so long. It almost seems like it's OK. Like God, because of the grace, obviously, God hasn't struck me down yet for it. So, you know, I'm good. You know, I was talking to another gentleman the other day and he was telling me how he haven't really read his Bible in a while. And, you know, just he, he believes he's OK. His, his salvation is good. He's, he's doing the best he can, walking in righteousness. And then he tells me about an event that he's going to that is completely unrighteous. It's only Satan that can, that can convince us to think like that. Because when it's all said and done, many who say they love the Lord and want to worship him, want to be with him for eternity, really don't. When you look at the book of Revelation in chapter two and three, when, when John receives the, uh, when he receives the messages for the seven churches of Asia, you don't find in there that he says, well, I, I know your faith. I know how you feel at times. Each one of them, he said, I know your works. Our works is a, a reflection of our faith. 
as I said before, that me and my family, we, you know, we're shaking the house down. Not just the house, but the things we think about regarding where we go and how we spend our time. And, and we believe that that is of the most importance. We see the convergence of the signs of the time. Jesus Christ warned about, told us to watch and pray always. And this is the time to to, to purge ourselves of what is not holy, was not righteous. Everything from the movies, TV shows, the places we spend our free time, we need to purge ourselves. Let go of these um, feel-good, entertaining lies that the enemy is giving us. The world is utterly wicked. Don't let the politicians and what comes on the news fool you. There is no such thing as hope for America. There is nothing as praying for the world to come around, praying for peace. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you should not be praying for no peace in the world to turn around or none of that. We are supposed to walk as Christ did, and he didn't pray one time for anything good to happen on this earth. His prayer was for the disciples. He said, I pray that you take them not out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. And the purpose of that prayer was so that they could walk in his will, not so that they can hang out and enjoy unrighteousness. Now, does that mean we stop working and then we just go ahead and, you know, go somewhere and, and hide and with our Bible in our hand? Absolutely not. When all this was written, when everything was discussed in these revelations, Paul, John, Peter, Jude, all these disciples were still living life. The only difference was they were not living for themselves. They were living for God. They were living for Yahuwah. And they were giving him a hundred percent, not this half-stepping thing that we've done for years because of grace. We've abused God's grace. I, I I bet you Aiken would have loved to have some of that grace before Jesus Christ came, where he took stuff he had no business taking and putting it in the the, the tent among the congregation of the believers. I, I I firmly believe so much so I know it's true that we are living at a time where Jesus can come back at any moment. He said that, Paul says that unless there is, he said the day of the Lord will not come unless there first is a falling away, which we all know if you if you have paid any attention to how the world, how the church operates in the world, we know many have fallen away from the true gospel. And he said, then the revealing of the son of perdition happens. Then those who are found worthy in Christ, the faithful, will be removed from the great tribulation that's coming. That's a reassuring promise to me. Rather than, you know what, I don't want to read the book of Revelation because there's too many scary things in there. Why do I got to be living in Babylon? All these silly things that the enemy tells us that keeps us from seeing the blessings, the wonderful miracles, the things that God has in store for those who are faithful, those who are willing to walk circumspectly, discerning their steps, discerning what they're thinking about, what their mind is dwelling on. God has to be first and only. That's it. He can't. God wants us to walk according to his will. He wants his children to be saved. He doesn't want them to have to endure suffering under the hands of the Antichrist, but he knows it's going to happen. He warned us so we can step away and come under him 100 percent. 
And he's also made known that, listen, if you're still here because of your disobedience, if you didn't become the faithful church, then you're going to have to decide on what you want to do. So as we journey through these days, it could be 10 years from now. Who knows? I don't see it being 10 years, but I'm not looking specifically for the day of Jesus Christ's return. I'm looking more specifically at how I walk up until he comes. And when we are focused on what he told us to be focused on our walk, knowing the truth of the gospel, then we're not concerned about what's happening all around. Very few instances were made or mentions were made by the apostles regarding the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the end times. Most things they discussed were how we ought to walk how we ought to carry ourselves, lay aside every sin and weight that so easily beset us. Do not continue in sin. Do not be conformed to this world. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. All these things they were telling us so we can find ourselves step for step with the Holy Spirit, living according to the unadulterated word of God. That's where we ought to be. It, it, it is a grieving thing to see people I listen to the stuff that people say who say they believe in Jesus Christ. All their wonderful plans and everything they want to do and things they expect to accomplish, where they want their kids to accomplish. But I never hear about the walk we ought to walk with Christ. There was a a, a cartoon that came out, or I don't know how long it's been out. I just found out about it yesterday called Little Demon. And the cartoon says that the the mother was the wife of the Antichrist. And the daughter that was born came out of their their marriage. And she's talking to Satan and all this other kind of stuff. And, and all I can see is how, how sad is that? Anybody who say they believe in Jesus or just, this is why we just can't let our kids watch and view anything. We need to check, vet, validate everything. Because all of it is transitioning to complete wickedness. The holiness portion is going out the window. It's like Sesame Street. They now have two men on there married. Two, two, uh, two men family married. That used to be a wholesome TV show. We can't walk around deceiving ourselves thinking, well, you know, to each his own. God knows everybody's heart and we just pray for people. Uh, we need to stand on the truth, know what season we're living in, and walk according to such. These these church institutions that are talking about your blessing is coming, your miracles on the way, all these big time, you know, TJ, Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, Tony Evans, all these people are speaking for the Antichrist. They're not speaking for Jesus Christ. And how do you know it? Where is the message of repentance? Where is the message of holiness and righteousness? There isn't any. Where are their persecutions? How are you that big as a preacher having that many people listen to you and you're not being persecuted? And when you go before the news, the, the president or where these people are, they, they love you. Oprah Winfrey, they love you. But yet Jesus Christ said, you shall be hated by all people. And we, we, we sit back and entertain. We show up to their conferences and we, we listen to their tapes and we, we don't realize that we are literally feeding ourselves the things of Babylon. We have to consecrate ourselves, our hearts for God and nothing else, no one else. There shouldn't be any question asked to, well, is this holy or righteous? The Bible tells us what's holy and righteous. 
It tells us what is true, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is of a good report. The, the faithful church described in Revelation chapter three, the Bible says that Jesus Christ knew that they had little strength. What he means that they were smaller. They were not as many. That's what that's what he's saying. And that is where we're at today. Those who are truly faithful that has not denied his name, that are walking according to his word are few. And it obviously have to be that way because then that would have made Jesus a liar when they asked him, are there a few saved? And he said, strive to enter into the narrow gate. He said, because why is the gate that lead to destruction and many go by there? Narrow is the gate that lead to life and few will find it. And the reason why it's hard for people to find it who say they follow Jesus Christ is because at the end of the day, they want to see their business grow. They want to see their, their investment happen. They want to see all these things take place in a world that is sentenced to the eternal fire of God. So at the end of the day, their priorities are mixed up. Their heart is in the wrong place. We have to look at it and say, you know, what, what do I really want? To live in eternity in the new Jerusalem, the new heaven? You know, when New Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, it'll be a completely holy and righteous place. And the new earth that's going to take place, men who loved the Lord, women who love the Lord 100% are those that are going to be dwelling in the new earth. We're at a place now where a lot of people don't even believe that. And they say they believe in Jesus Christ. The devil has convinced many people who say they are saved that even he don't exist. Deception. And if you can convince people, if Satan can convince churchgoers or Christians that he don't exist, you better believe they're not going to believe that we're living in the end times. They're going to think we're just all going through a hard financial crisis worldwide. It's something difficult with the economy. We got a bad president in office, all these different things people will think. And the reason being because the Bible says they refuse to retain God in their thinking. So he gave them over to a debased mind so that they will believe the lie. And what lie is that? The first lie ever told to the first human beings back in the garden. And that lie is, we don't need to obey God. So listen, I want to really encourage you to start doing some, some true soul searching and checking inventory of your life and what's all around you, who you associate with. Why do you go to the places that you go? What are these things that you find entertainment in? That's a tough decision to make. Again, we, we, we live in Babylon. Unlike the apostles when they were walking the earth, they didn't have millions of wicked things coming at them in every single direction. It was a hard journey for them. Paul said they were pressed on every side, but it ain't like today. You can't scroll your phone or turn on nothing without the enemy coming in with some lie, some gimmick, some scam, a deception to pull you in. I was using an app to create uh, one of my posts for social media. I do a lot of biblical posts. And in the app, there was a commercial that came on because I don't want to pay for the app. So I use a free service. And it, and the commercial was a uh, some lady who helped these two couple reunite with a love spell. You know, and, and of course, they had they, they give you like you know, five to 15 seconds to watch the silly commercial before you can hit the exit button. But that's how much the enemy comes at us. Billboards, friends, TV shows, pastors, restaurants, you name it, they're coming. Satan has released every foul spirit. 
he can on this earth. And it is running rampant right here in America. How in the world can you convince a parent to allow their child to mutilate their sexual organs because they don't want to be that person anymore? That can't be nothing but Satan. And I talked to a gentleman the other day, say, you know, if you want to do what you want to do, you know, hey, that's on you. Uh, but that person is a, uh, or at least they say they are a follower of Christ. So let's check our life. Let's line our life up with the word of God. Like a ruler, and we are measuring certain things, let's get the Bible and measure it to our walk to see if we are step for step with the Holy Spirit, with the word of God. And things that are not pleasing to the Lord, these Babylonian things, we need to have the discipline through the leadership of the Holy Spirit to cut them off cold turkey. Not not wind it down a little bit to where we feel like it's okay because we can pray about it. We can anoint it with oil. We can speak over it, all these silly lies in these church institutions. Let's not do that. God is checking our heart all the way to our works. And he's looking for a people who are of faith, not partial faith, not straddling the fence faith, faith. He said that when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will it be you? That's what we should ask ourselves every single day we get up. Don't don't make the mistake that a lot of people make saying, well, I, I confessed Jesus back in, you know, 1970 or 1940 or, or 20, whatever, whatever year we say we, you know, I know I got baptized in 2002 in, in Seychelles, Africa. That was the start. And now, you know, over 20 years later, I'm 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 just now figuring out the, all the silly lies I've been living under for years. And me and my wife, you know, we thank God every single day because we can be just like the same people out there. Ain't figured out nothing yet. And the signs are greater than ever before. It's in our face. It's not like, you know, OK, I heard it. We all just saw what happened in Florida, just ran through there a storm. And then over, I think it was either uh, Pakistan, there was an earthquake, a thousand people died a few months ago. In one earthquake, many, many more injured. So God is telling, look, I'm getting ready to send the bridegroom to come get the bride. I hope that's you. I hope that's you. That's what he's saying. And we have to make that decision every single day, every single day, every time we get up. That is his will for our life. So yes, the word is definitely a challenging one. It's a, it's a, it's a sobering word, but he did say be sober. He didn't say be drunk off the the life and and the lifestyle that the world hands us, so we can be comforting and and live in convenience. He said be sober because your adversary, the devil, goes to and for the earth looking for whom he may devour. And I see believers getting ate up left and right. So let's stand on the word of God. Let's be encouraged with His truth. Let's be those soldiers that are not tangled in the affairs of this world, but are wrapped up in the will of God. Standing on his front line with the truth in and out of our heart. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for your powerful word of truth. We know that it is a sobering word to know that we are not called to live in any kind of way, to do any kind of thing, but we are called to be true light, true salt, that you have given us through your Holy Spirit, made possible through grace and faith of what Christ did on the cross. 
We thank you for us being living in this prophetic times of truth. We thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your gift of grace and mercy, allowing us time to turn our life around to become the faithful church. Satan is defeated. He is destroyed. His works is already uh, done away with, and we walk according to that truth. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.